0: and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that discusses where it's been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suami, And I'm James Rathbone. And we're back. Uh, we took a one-week summer hiatus. Mm-hmm. James, how do you feel about it?
1: Uh, you know, I missed it. I'm, it's really nice to be back here uh, in our true home in the, uh, this lovely recording studio that yes. we feel very lucky to have access to.
0: Yes, we won't tell you where it is, Yes, but it is at... John and Wellington yeah. in Toronto, Ontario. Yeah. Um, so this week, we're going to talk about three albums and three artists. We're talking about ASAP Rocky's Testing. Finally, finally, we got you, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> we're doing it. Yeah. We're talking about Tiana Taylor's K- KTSE, which stands for Keep That Same Energy. And We're talking for about Future's Beast Mode 2. Sometimes even catch up has to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All right. Let's get into it. All right. So we're going to start off by talking about ASAP Rocky's much discussed <laughs> third studio album called Testing. Yeah. Um, and this, this album, I mean, just from the title, kind of is a clear message that ASAP wanted to send. I want to read like a quote that he said about the album and like its title. he said, my new album is really about testing new sounds. People are scared to test new sounds. So they go with what's current because it's the easy thing to do. The top 100 songs sound a certain way. People cater to that more because it's a bigger demographic behind that and a guaranteed demographic behind that. I prefer to experiment and have my crowd grow with me and to reach new crowds. I don't just rap. I actually make music. That's why it takes time. These Sonics represent me, and
1: it's, it's a bold, bold, and um, ambitious statement.
0: I mean, in the classic mode of any cocky young rapper. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Lord Flacco, mm-hmm. as his production alias is known, is credit is a co-producer on eleven of the album's fourteen tracks, which features uh, a, a real like cavalcade of superstar producers and just really interesting choices that kind of represent. The the ASAP Rocky, very much in the tradition of the the group's forebear father ASAP Yams and his mm-hmm. ability to, to connect a bunch of disparate rappers, artists, singers. Uh, so this album has production from kind of some names that you might expect like Boy Wanda, uh, Clams Casino, plus a bunch of other people. You got Dean Blunt on here. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Boys Noise, You got Jim Johnson. So he's really, really drawing from a lot of different places here. Yeah. Um, I know you're a big fan of this album. Like, tell me, tell me, what are your thoughts?
1: I, I, I'm big. I mean, big fan. I, I, I do. There are a lot of things I really like about it. I think it is. St- it isn't. Uh, I don't think it is necessarily so cohesive. Uh, I think that there are some really high highs, and that's like enough for me to, to like quite like it and like it more than actually kind of any of his of his uh, records since that f- like first mixtape. Uh, he brought out with The Mob back in you know 2012 mm-hmm. or 2011 whenever that was um, because it's like he kind of goes into a couple of his like best modes here uh, which in my opinion he does like the kind of like um, post uh, like weekend like almost like a Tron- the, what I kind of think of as that Toronto sound that like heavy R&B kind of sound mm-hmm. uh, like the song that he does with uh FK Twigs, uh, Fuck Sleep, mm-hmm. which i it's like uh, one of my favorite songs uh, of the year, probably. And, uh, you know, it's like, he kind of gets into like a sexy pocket really well. <laughs> like he's, he's like one of the, like, like, in the the, his past record the last record before this uh the my the only song i really liked on it was lsd Mm -hmm. that i thought but i love that song that i thought that song was just like uh, like felt like drugs you know in, in in the best way possible and i feel like this song is a similar mode to it and i would love it if he would make a record that's like kind of just in this tone rather than in this sort of like testing where he's like Kind of going all over the map, and some things work really well, and other things work, you know, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as well, his song with uh, Skepta, "Praise the Lord," is just like, wow. That that song I feel like has like legs for years a in terms banger. of playing in the club, yeah. and uh, it just is this nice kind of like um, you. It's not even really grime, but like it has a that it definitely still has a UK feel, even without this the Skepta part. Just in terms of the flow and the kind of like. It's like a. It feel, does feel like a British take on the sort of pan flute trend of 2017. It 2000. is, and Skepta produced a song by himself. So right, it, yeah. It, it makes sense. Skepta's an incredible producer, mm-hmm. underrated. A lot of people probably don't know that he. that's part of his uh, output as this well. This thing, it's uh,
0: the rapping, the producing, and the weird dad dancing. Yeah. But it looks cool. It yeah. looks he, cool. He
1: also produced a, a porno. Oh, did he? Yeah.
0: Skepta, he's a it's he's man a man jack man. of all trades. Yeah. <laughs> um yes, I agree. It's like it's a really great song, and I think it's a song that's gonna be I mean, it's just an instant dopamine rush. You mm-hmm. know, like every time every time I'm anywhere and I hear it, it feels like it feels like I, I get really excited, like, oh my god, they're gonna play this? Yeah, like, yeah. you know? Feels like a treat. Um I liked ASAP Rocky's last album. Mm-hmm. Um I liked LSD, I liked Canal Street, I liked Holy Ghost, I liked uh, the song uh, fine wine with future and mia i thought that for me i think that that was i appreciated that it was a it was an ambitious effort and it was the first album that he made first studio album he made without yams's influence and mm-hmm. i appreciated that he was trying to do it's like he was trying to live out yams's dreams for him you yeah. know and i don't think it all, it all the way always succeeded but i i appreciate the effort yeah. and i think he's doing that again here like for me I, like, you know, there was a time that I really was very disinterested in ASAP Rocky as a rapper. Yeah. I didn't really... I mean, when that first studio album came out, I was kind of like, "What's the hype about?" Yeah. You know. I think it, the studio. Wa- I mean, the
1: the label walked all over. That I mean, record. obviously,
0: yeah. you look at this. Was, I mean, there's a song like with Skrillex, it, you know, which it, Wow for the night, it, fuck being polite. Like, who wrote that, that. What market? What 45 year old white <laughs> marketing executive wrote that lyric? Yeah. like it's uh that's uh, like I, the that's like a Wiz Khalifa. We stay up all night and <laughs> we don't go to school. Yeah. <laughs> it's like
1: what is that? Yam said he fucking hated that song and hoped to never hear it again in his life. Which is, you know, R.I.P. F.B.M. E. is one of my hip hop heroes, mm-hmm. um, an absolute legend. It's True, across the board.
0: Um, but yeah. Anyway, so this, uh, the, but the, at some point, like, so there was that. There was like the fucking pro- fucking problems, which is a huge hit. Yeah. But I also didn't particularly like. No. That and song's I don't kind really like hearing that song. It's very yeah. basic. Um, I really don't like that song. Yeah. And, uh, our producer Kyle is in the booth with us and we're DJing his wedding and we're not going to play that song at your wedding, even if you request it, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, but one thing I will say is that I got really excited about ASAP from the second album, second studio album. but then following that, he just had a real run of like 18 months where every guest verse he touched, he just kind of bodied. Mm-hmm. So I was really kind of looking forward to see what would he's, happen on this album. He's
1: great on the Playboy, Car- like first Playboy cardio record. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so the lead single off of this off of this album was ASAP Forever, which mm. is like the Moby sampling song. Yeah, uh, and on the album, it's it. I guess because that song had been out for a while before the album came out, he made it made a remix version that has a verse from Kid Cudi and uh, a Ti mm. interlude. Yeah, mm. which I mean, there's a few moments on this album where. Uh, if you look at the credits for the album in terms of samples and production credits and who does background vocals, mm-hmm. like Blockboy JB, yeah. you got played with Cardi, Frank Ocean, yeah. Uh, Diddy. Yeah, it's just like a real exercise in Rolodex flexing, yeah. which I, uh, which I can I appreciate. But uh, for me, Asap Forever, Asap Forever is a really great song to me about about like Asap's just the position that he's played in the culture mm-hmm. and in hip hop because I think that. Ultimately, for me, still at this point, ASAP Rocky's s- song, his his discography, his output, his musical output, is not commensurate with his level of fame. No, and it's not even close, really. No, it's like he he's a huge cultural icon with fashion and just the ability. I mean, he's a guy that like. You know, I it's it's almost like there there isn't a brand he will say no to. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's one of those guys that I feel like people I feel like people like little yachty like look at the mold of ASAP and be like, man, fuck rap. Yeah. Like I would much rather be a in quotes creative director yeah, yeah. for any like lame brand that needs some money. I mean, ASAP for for, for his credit has like. I mean, he works with like major brands and whatnot. But I mean, just in the sense of like trading off of your rap credibility Mm -hmm. to like just get the bag, secure the bag, I feel like ASAP does that a lot. But ASAP Forever, I think the song and like just the song's thesis of just like, he's like, you know what, like I've done things that are a part of this genre forever. And it's like, just is like, I put this, I put a whole squad on the map, you know, I brought, I I create, you know, I I established a lane. And I really like the song for that. And I I feel like this is one of the times that, his lofty goals with this like Moby sample and mm-hmm. like trying to make songs that sound really outside of the billboard hot like 100 um I feel like it really it really works in the song
1: yeah I mean I think the single version is like vastly superior to the album cut uh I think like it getting walked on by uh, TI and Cuddy did it absolutely no favors and really kind of bogs down the energy that the um the single had the single is a great song for DJing because it has like, uh, sort of in the mode of like Moby and you know, um, techno and house music and whatnot has a break in it and like in a really nice place like the song stays and and it's just like really great for mixing, mm-hmm. um, but I like, in a funny way, I feel like ASAP Forever the album cut kind of, uh, is indicative of a lot of the, the flaws that I feel like you know the album has or where it just doesn't work as well as in other parts because it's kind of doing a little in in where it doesn't this album doesn't work it's because he's doing too much yeah yeah you know yeah like it's like it is like it really does feel like a work of him trying out a lot of different things and seeing what works and you know he doesn't really have the vocal talent to carry uh experiments that aren't like as sort of cohesive or to his strength uh in a way that you know maybe another more experimental experimental artist like uh someone like Kanye who can control the sonics better and I would even say he's probably a better rapper than A$AP Rocky at least at his like peak uh or let alone uh a Frank Ocean or someone or Beyoncé or someone like that who have you know put push these uh the genres on their albums, track by track, um, you know that said, I think it's still like a pretty impressive record from him, and I, I do think it would be cool if he has enough sort of self awareness to figure out what really works from this, and then take that into his next record and put out something that's more like a, just a really strong pop rap record mm-hmm. in in some respects. Um, you know, he he was someone who I had so much. Hope for when he was coming up, and I really watched it because I was like, uh, sort of very up on yams on Tumblr back in 2011. He had a
0: Tumblr that James cannot say the name of. Yeah, uh, which is real nigga Tumblr. <laughs> so I will say yeah, it, relish, R-N-T. Relish, R-N-T. <laughs> <in> it. Yeah, RNT. RNT. Relish it. Yeah.
1: Which like it's a, it's a shit. he deleted it because, uh, well, I th- I'm relatively sure he deleted it because. Um, he t- he kind of talked about Drake a-, a bunch on it. This pre-Take Care Drake, mm-hmm. and he kind of talked about how he actually liked. He doesn't like. He didn't like Drake's music and thought Drake's music was really whack. But he did like how Drake paid respect to like Houston legends and and mm-hmm. things like that. I uh, remember that. And then uh, as ASAP Rocky like blew up, and he blew up really fast. He felt it felt like ASAP Rocky blew up in a way. He was sort of the first rapper to kind of go from, like, zero to 100 in the way that rappers kind of do consistently now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, very quickly, he went from being this guy who put out this, like, really incredibly hip video uh, to being on tour with Drake and mm-hmm. Kendrick Lamar in 2011.
0: Yeah, and for those of you that don't, that don't know, A$AP Yams, who is one of the co-founders of the ASAP Mob, ran a mm-hmm. really influential Tumblr uh, around the time that Tumblr was really influential, yeah. which is the... Like 2011, 2010 yeah. era. It
1: it's and such a shame that it's gone.
0: Yeah, and so it was just basically like yeah, it was just like a bl- like a Tumblr vlog, which he would post lyrics and old articles and, and, and music, t- tons and tons, tons, of tons of and tons and he, tons of different music. He
1: unearthed uh, a getting jiggy with it remix that f- f- like featured Big Pun and Cameron, I think. Wow. And uh, he like had just like incredible archives of like rare dip set, material uh, and you know he like he was sort of one of the like first like proper like New York people who really like and you can hear this in in, like all ASAP sound pushed like all the different uh, corners of raps like flavors I guess Mm -hmm. like regional flavors into like New York. He was like a huge little boozy fan, uh, you know. He, lo- you know, he was big into all of the the Houston stuff, mm-hmm.
0: um, the Memphis stuff. These are yeah. all these are all things that now it's it's not that shocking or even interesting to have a rapper who's not from a certain place sounding like a certain place because that's just the nature of how. People listen to music now. It's yeah. the digital era, but around the time that ASAP Rocky came out, I remember a lot of the early conversation was like, "He's from Harlem, yet he sounds like he's from Memphis." And yeah. in this song, it has an extended Mike Jones tribute. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. people, people were what, people were shocked. Yeah, exactly. You know? uh, and he, like he, he was you
1: know pretty young, but he just had like truly encyclopedic knowledge of of rap uh, in a way that I don't know that there are many people. Who who do. I mean, even people who like lived it longer, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like have forgotten so wouldn't have, have forgotten stuff that, you know, while well, he whereas like Yams was so obsessive and so appreciative and had just so much curiosity. And he like, I mean, he was uh I think he would have discovered a lot of really interesting artists that maybe we would never hear of because he was not around. Like he disca- he, he was really foundational in pushing Vince Staples. Mm-hmm. Um and You know, there's a bunch of other artists, like uh, you know, that I don't think got to have quite the success that they would have if 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 Bams was around. around, Like, for example, uh, Bodega Bams. Oh yes, that's right. Uh, Retch, who is from New Jersey. Uh, it was another, yam, like, late Yams push. He had, like, he just had all of these artists that he was sort of fostering. And, I mean, uh, it's hard for me to talk about Rocky uh, without talking about Yams because like, Yams was always, to me, in a funny way, the true, like, talent of, like, the ASAP mob. Mm-hmm. Ferg is great. Rocky's great. But, like, Yams was, like, very inspiring to me mm-hmm. uh, because he it's, like, a power of, like, taste and knowledge and just understanding the art form
0: in that it was way. He was like the new Diddy. Yeah, he was the. Hard, yeah, you
1: know? yeah, exactly. But funnier. Yeah, and much Diddy's funnier. Pretty funny, but yeah, Yams, Yams is like one of the funniest people in rap history. You can just
0: go, go, go to his Twitter right now.
1: They, they released a book of his his tweets. Oh, did they? Yeah.
0: Just scroll down, and also like the amount of the amount of uh, influential music writers, A and R's, and industry people that who, when Yams passed away, discussed like the influence he had on them or conversations they had on him was really. Yeah. It was really shocking, and in, in some ways, it reminded me. This is like really. Some of you m- might not get this, but it's uh, uh, reminded me of David Carr, who was like the New York Times mm-hmm. uh, media reporter, yeah, who had a similar impact on just journalists from like all walks, like all over New York. Like when he passed away, everyone had a story about how, you know, he took me out for a drink, like something like that. And Yams had the same impact on mm-hmm. people in the music industry.
1: Yeah, he was he was just like uh, he was just so ahead of things and really had a vision in a, a world that like. You know, in the world of music, which especially hip hop music, which can be so focused on safe routes to making a bit of money, and he was all about the like that pure love of the music itself. Uh, mm-hmm. You know,
0: so and I know you, you see Asap really trying to, you see him really trying to do that here. Like yeah. he has, I mean, he has Kodak Black on the record mm-hmm. uh, with a a, a phone in a phone call guest feature from from jail Mm uh you got like you know you got a lauren you got lauren hill you got frank uh frank lauren hill sample you got frank ocean Mm -hmm. um just like really trying to call on a lot of different uh, different flavors and i don't know as we said like sometimes it succeeds and sometimes it doesn't like i can think of like a really from it's and the weird thing is that sometimes it succeeds like partially Mm -hmm. and then it's just kind of fucked up like a good example is the song guns and butter for me which is a juicy J feature and uh Features a sample of a Project Pat song, which is Juicy uh, J's brother, um, and it's like at, at some point the sample is almost as loud as ASAPs at first, and they're yeah. playing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's the sample is a really r- chopped, really interestingly, yeah, and it sounds very compelling. But your comp- your your ears are competing with that sound and ASAPs verses, yeah. Which, I mean, I can sort of understand the idea behind that. And it does kind of sound dope, but it's also really fucking annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and at some moment, like it all drops out. There's a sample from, uh, I guess, the most recent Yams Day where there was a shooting, mm-hmm. and then he comes back on, and it, it features some of the most like dexterous rapping on the on the album. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, like you said, he's like trying to do too much, and it kind of ends up kind of making it all. It's kind of a disservice to what could have been a really great, a really great. Song, yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of like there's a lot of strong ideas not fully realized on the song, and I feel like in some portions of the album that's what you get, yeah. But elsewhere, I think that it's just like, but I think even sometimes the attempt is the attempt is the reward of it, yeah. yeah, (laughs) Like it's like
1: I, I, but yeah, I I do think the the that experimental voice is what people connect to. I think that like people uh, who are kind of tired of seeing variations on a theme that's what they really like about this record. And that's what they like about Rocky, that he is willing to go there. Even if it's like Rolodex flexing, that he's like, just gonna see where he, get in where he fit in and fits in and and see
0: what works. Next up, we're gonna talk about Tiana Taylor's album, which is the fifth album in a five-week album-releasing bonanza (laughs) from Kanye West's Ranch in Wyoming, Jackson, Wyoming. Yeah. Uh, the album is called KTSE, Keep That Same Energy. For those of you that don't know very much about Tiana Taylor, she first kind of emerged on the scene in 2007 mm-hmm. when she uh, was signed. Well, first of all, she's originally like a dancer. Yes. She's choreographed incredible to Beyonce. Dancer. Yes, a really incredible dancer, which uh, you may remember from the Fade video that Kanye West put out a few years ago, which is kind of what kind of cause a resurgence in people like what's up with Tiana Taylor What yeah. are we going to get some more from her she choreographed a, a, the dance for Beyonce's song in a video like I think Ring the Alarm in like 2006 2007 she signed with Pharrell's Star Trek label it was also featured in an episode of My Super Sweet 16 <laughs> classic MTV youth programming and then for a few years she just kind of like bounced around the industry didn't really release much music under Pharrell mm-hmm. did some acting you know just like was kind of like you know, being an industry person. Yeah. Uh, and then in 2012, she signed with Good Music and also didn't really do much there. You know, she was featured on a few songs. She was on a Christmas uh, Christmas in Harlem yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. and the, during the Good Friday run. And, you know, she at some point, I mean, she put out a project in 2014, but didn't really gain too much attention. And she kind of like, she kind of was a background player up until uh, appearing in the Fade video again. Yes. Like in uh, 2016. So... I remember that that caused a real resurgence in fandom for her, and she's mm-hmm. married to a very famous basketball player, Amon Schumpert. whom is a decent rapper. He's decent. He is. Uh,
1: I I I once said that he might not be a top 250 player in the NBA, but he might be a top 250 rapper there might, might not be 250 <laughs> other rappers in the game who are as good as he is.
0: It's uh, it's high praise yeah. for <laughs> his, his second job. Um, and they they star in a VH1 reality sh- series about their marriage. Yeah. Um so anyway, all that to say. Yeah. This album had so, some people very excited just just the idea of Kanye West because Tiana Taylor is a great singer. Yeah. Um and a really compelling personality, great singer, great dancer, yeah. compelling personality. And I think that a lot of people were excited about the idea of Kanye West focusing his production talents on on an album solely for her. Yeah. Um, so, let's. What do you think of this album? I think it's actually
1: uh, I, I, I like it. I like it more than I expected to. I'll be honest that um, while I think that she is an amazing dancer and like part of one of the most beautiful couples in the world and uh, seems you know like just someone who has won a lot of like uh sort of lotteries in terms of being gifted all of these like wonderful talents. Uh she's not someone who has, I've been super interested in in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh obviously the Fade video is super iconic. Uh, but this record uh is just like kind of reminds me of like uh late 90s early 2000s R&B records that have a really nice like summery feel. It's not like one of the like the sort of post-weekendy like hazed out Kind of sound. It's just like it's like I, I don't know. It's a really nice record to listen to in the summer. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of like my biggest takeaway from it. It's like this. It's not it's not super substantive, but uh, you know you know you don't feel bad listening to it at all. I don't know how you how do you now, feel?
0: That's basically that's really close to how I feel. I think there's some really really great songwriting on mm-hmm. this album, like really evocative portraits, and just really, I think that she does a really good job of. Of, I don't know, expressing the reality of her life. Like, you know, when you come off of like, uh, on you're going to love me, it's like super soulful. Mm-hmm. Going to Love really, Me
1: is a great song.
0: It's like, yeah, it's it's introspective, it's yeah. analytical. It, yeah. But I feel like she does a really good job of embedding a lot of like real life details mm-hmm. in these songs. Um, like for me, the standout on the album is a, a Rose in Harlem. Yeah. Which is just like a really beautiful song. And, it's just, it kind of, I feel like it, it, it captures a lot of worlds. It captures, you know, the struggle mm-hmm. and talks about the triumph. Like she has a line about, just bought my third house and you haven't heard a record from me in years. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I, this, like, really, stuff like that that mm-hmm. I was really like, you know what? I like that you're, she's responding to what the detractors might say about her. Mm-hmm. And like, not like these people are even, like, you know, the most prominent voices about her, but I just, I just love that in a song about, like, her, str- her struggle can also talk about the triumph in such a casual yeah. and hilarious way.
1: This record I, I reminded me of kind of like early Alicia Keys. Like you don't know my name era Alicia Keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, it's not. It doesn't have these like big sort of torch songs that a lot of R and B seems to like have to have these days. Uh, I don't like. I don't know. I think that's just like really nice. I also, yeah, it's some of my favorite Kanye production from the Wyoming sessions ended up on this record, uh, which I think is great. It sort of, it felt some of the some of the not the non Daytona production, I felt a little bit discordant with the like songwriting uh-huh, at uh-huh, times uh-huh. In, in some of the other records, but this record feels pretty cohesive, you know?
0: Yeah, it does. And I, and I think that, yeah, I, I, this is an, another thing I, ha- I felt about the album is that it has great songs, mm-hmm. um, great, really strong production, really good songwriting, but there also is a feeling of it that feels like something is missing mm-hmm. like it just doesn't i feel like it doesn't stick in the way yes. that i thought it. when when so many of the elements work for me on a song by song basis yeah but something about it doesn't stick and i found that very odd like yeah. it, it feels kind of light in a way that it almost it's too light yeah too light in a way that you, you could almost forget about the album yes you know yeah and i feel like um i mean which i think is really unfortunate because I think that when this out al- when this five album slate was was set up, mm-hmm. I think I was like I think a lot of people were kind of like oh, Tiana's going to get the shaft, of this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like Kanye's going to be worn out, yeah, yeah. he's going to phone it in, yeah. which it didn't seem like he did. The, yeah. the samples are, are are excellent, yeah, um, but it does feel like something is missing. And then after after um, after the album came out. Tiana did a a run of interviews and it turns out that there's a bunch of songs that didn't actually make the album because they couldn't get the sample clearances Mm -hmm. which I mean I guess I I, I sort of understand it, but it's also like how could Kanye West not clear a sample? You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, like how much like how much effort did they put into this album? Yeah. Because also, apparently, they're not going to shoot any videos for this album. Yeah, they're not going to push it particularly. So they're not going to push it particularly hard. So this is all stuff that has come out after the album is released. Yeah. Which is, like, Tiana really got the shaft. Yeah. And with the shaft, still did really strong work. Yeah. Um, the closing song on the album is probably the only song that doesn't really fit with the rest of the song. And yeah. it's, a, it's called WTP. Yeah. Between, um, uh,
1: Mickey Blanco, Mickey Blanco, is a legend uh, in the sort of uh, queer rap space, trailblazing in the in sort of the earlier part of this decade. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that was I, for me that it is nice. I met Mickey years many years ago, and uh, when um, they had a performance in Toronto, and uh, you know was super nice and it's just nice it's like nice for me to know they're getting a paycheck in 2018 from mm-hmm. something kind of major but I agree that it also it's like there's a big void between you know the song before and that song I mean I it's personally cool, don't but, mind because I yeah. really
0: love the song and yeah, I think it's, a it's like song. a fun it's the the most fun Azealia Banks song that she didn't record yeah it's exactly <laughs> um, uh, but yeah I mean ultimately I feel like Tiana Really, did the damn thing. Yeah, but I feel like she was failed by a lot of other things.
1: Yeah, I will say that I find the song Three Way" kind of hilariously raunchy. Uh, it's like there's like a uh, it's like a, a song about you know having a threesome, but it's like the lyrics are very descriptive. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: like it's like two heads are better than one. Yeah, is said at like, one point.
1: Yeah, it's like oh, what could she mean? You know, like it's I don't know. I I I love when like any. Music is really raunchy. I think find it usually hilarious and, and very entertaining. So mm-hmm. that was that was also a bright spot for me.
0: Song features uh, the real utility player of the year. <laughs> yeah, a uh, one Ty dollar Sign. Yeah, and you know what, Tie dollar Sign very apt apt name because yes. I'm sure that yeah, <laughs> this <laughs> tax, tax year is going to be he's, he's in a whole new tax bracket on the yeah. features that he's on. Yeah. It's on Drake's. He's on Drake stuff. He's on Kanye stuff. He's like. He's everywhere, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and he really just adds to the quality of every song.
1: Yes, yeah. No, he's... he. I don't think he's ever... I've ever been like, oh, him? You know? <laughs> like, he's he's always a plus. So, yeah, anyway. Um, so, it's, that it's, it's
0: unfortunate that we're not going to get to hear the album that Tiana wanted out. Yeah. But this album ultimately is a really... It's a fun, light listen. Yeah. I uh, kind of wish it stuck a little more. Yeah, I feel... I, I do think
1: that there's... A, like, it's missing, like, a real, like... Identity,
0: an anchor. It's yeah, missing, it's missing an, an, an like. I think outside, it's missing like an anchor track that kind of.
1: That's true. That's
0: kind of like the flag in the ground of yeah. what the the record is. And I think there's a lot of like strong album cuts. Yeah. But there isn't a single like knockdown. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, this of, is the hit. Yeah, exactly. Song, that's true. and I feel like maybe that might be. I feel like that might be what's missing. I think that might also is, this is the issue with the like seven tracks. Although this is eight tracks. Yeah. But that's like the se- you know you kind of like. I don't know. It's like you have fewer shots to hit your home run.
1: And do you do you come away from this record really being like I know exactly who Tiana Taylor is? I feel like when I think about it like in that way, it's like it's not like you know, one of the purposes of of any like artistic work, let alone like a full album, is to kind of give you this like clear sense of identity. And I don't know that I like that it's so so strong with this mm-hmm. record. You kind of wonder if there was like another singer who was singing the same words and, you know, the, the same beats and everything else, would it, how different would it really, like, feel?
0: Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. what I mean?
1: Yeah. I don't know. That's that, that's kind of, but at the same time, the music's so good that maybe it doesn't matter that much. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I, I really hope that this, that this leads to more from Tiana Taylor. Yeah. But, I don't know, something about this rollout and yeah. her reaction to it and how disappointed she has been in talking about it in the media, mm-hmm. like, she's aware that, like, something... That that she's aware that they kind of didn't put no, a lot yeah, behind they, it, definitely, and she seems really disappointed. I mean, rightfully so. Yeah, and I don't know, it just it just doesn't bode well for me. I think thinking about her career. And our our final album this week, uh, it's one of my one of my all time favorite artists. Um, it is the man known as Future, Super Future, Fire Marshall Future, Nevadius Cash burn. Wilburn. Um, it's the man. It's Future. Yeah, uh, This is Beast Mode 2, surprise album, or mm-hmm. surprise mixtape, I should say. Yeah. Got to make that distinction clear. That was released <laughs> last week. Um, and, you know, I think a, a little, the last episode we talked a bit about how it seemed like Future has maybe, the, the well had run dry. Yeah. Future went on a went on really, a truly...
1: One of the all time runs of, of pro, just pure, prolific, uh, co- you know, constant variance and experimentation, successful experimentation, like constantly trying new things and then working like
0: incredibly well. Yes. And this all happened. Um Post uh, a kind of major label flop, his uh, 2014 album Honest, which did have some hits on it, as
1: underrated record as uh, there is, in my opinion. But was
0: kind of critically maligned, maligned, yeah. for trying to do too much, trying to please too many masters,
1: and definitely had a bit of a, a, a yeah label walking all over it vibe and then
0: for sure. He had uh, several. If you don't know the story, he had several. He had a hard hard drives that he had recorded all his music on. That was that the his DJ and best friend DJ Esco had, Esco got locked up in Dubai for having some weed on him that he didn't know about for fifty six nights. Fifty six nights, which uh, I got to know the meaning. <laughs> <laughs> so Esco is locked up. The hard drives are gone. Mm-hmm. Future doesn't know if he's ever going to get these songs back. Yeah, and basically is forced to re record to record new music. Yeah, and ends up going on this incredible run. Uh, I, I don't sing- think
1: there's anything ever like it in history, hip hop history, in my opinion. <laughs> in in what sense? In the sense of the quality and just like the variance of and the like. The only thing I can think is similar is like Lil Wayne uh, going on his run in like two thousand seven, two thousand six, two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. But like, just like the way that like. From the record that came up before the first Beast Mode, which is Monster. Yes. From Monster to even, even I would say, like Purple Rain. Uh, Purple Rain's
0: an underrated uh, feature mixtape. Yeah. It's only on title for some reason. Huh. Only on title. Um, but, like, he has just, some really great songs on yeah,
1: it. Yeah. Just incredible. Inside just so, the mattress. Yeah. It's just so. Uh, just so amazing. So um, yeah,
0: these these albums, these mixtapes were released within two months of each other, uh, starting in October of 2014, which was Monster Beast Mode, 56 Nights. Yeah, and they basically went for the, and after Honest Future had this kind of, he had kind of like, I don't know, a certain a certain stench on him. I would say just of, of just like unfulfilled like aspir like major label. Aspirations, mm-hmm. and it was very clear. It's it's almost like when a when a, an actor you really like and seems like has a lot of potential is the lead of a movie and it just doesn't do very well, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, yeah. and like I think a lot of people were kind of looking at him like, you know what? He's a great feature artist, He's but good, hot on hooks, hot on hooks, but he might not be the guy mm-hmm. that we thought he was going to be. Then he goes on this run, releases these three these three mixtapes, eventually surprise releases uh, an album called DS2 Dirty Sprite Two, which yeah. is, I mean. An absolute classic. Yes, and uh, was it? I think his first studio album that tapped into what people liked about his mixtapes in the in the in the raw sense, which yeah. is you know a lot of like street rap, a lot of gangster rap, a lot of like just uncompromising, super hard, very hard, and that kind of vaunted future into the level that he is now, which is an A list rapper. Mm-hmm. So, you know he he's released a lot of music in the last few years, and yeah. I think that at some point. I mean with DS two was like the heavy, the really heavy like
1: this is sort of peak in, in popularity in and
0: the drugs. heaviest like drug talk. And yeah. that kind of became his wave where he was just like talking about being being a, a junkie. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean I've I've met and interviewed Future before, and I can I assure you, this man is not a junkie. No <laughs> one has that kind of skin or teeth that is a junkie. <laughs> like he's like a really beautiful man, you know? Mm-hmm. Like and His skin is perfect, you know, like, and I was at, I remember when I interviewed him, I asked him um, about just his ability to write such compelling, different style songs. So he like, one of my favorite feature songs is a song called Turn on the Lights, which is on his first album, Pluto. And it's a really beautiful love song that will absolutely be played at my wedding. Um, I've discussed this many times. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, perfect writing song. But he also has a song from that, around that time called Shit, which is like yeah. a hard... The hard the hardest, the, one of the, the hardest... One of the hardest... like
1: trap songs yes. in the history of the tra- trap genre. Like yeah. Shit is like just so big.
0: Yes. It is like... It's like a Red Bull IV drip. Yeah. You really feel... You feel it. Yeah. And I was like, do you, is it like different your recording process in the studio when you record a song like turn on the lights versus shit? Like, are you like drinking more during one? Or are you like thinking more introspectively during the other? And he was like, no, you just kind of like go in there and write the song. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah." he's just like a really great songwriter. yeah. You know, if you th- and I mean, which makes you think like, if you think of like body party, the Sierra song that mm-hmm. he like helped write, it's yeah. like, I, like understanding future in the context of being just a really good songwriter, yeah. I feel like explains a lot of like, is success,
1: yeah. He's so he's cousins with uh, Rico Wade, who has uh produced a lot of outcasts and and dungeon family material. And uh, at some point, future just basically when he was he was he's younger, uh, in the in the sort of mid 2000s, he just started living uh at the studio when Rico Wade was producing for all of these other artists and uh. He, I think, in that time, really internalized a lot of the the kind of songwriting processes of other artists, and and really like studied how to be like a, a successful rapper and what works. And and you know, I I mean, I think that he is is kind of one of those artists who's. Incredibly popular, and yet, like, also a lot of his music goes sort of underrated or a little under the radar, Mm -hmm. uh, other than sort of when he was at the peak of his popularity with Dirty Sprite 2. Like, I mean, you know, he released two records within a week uh, last year to get out of a record uh, deal, apparently. Yeah,
0: he uh, was signed by the Atlanta rapper Rocco early Mm. on in his career. And I guess apparently pledged a certain, amount, a certain amount of money that he was going to give to him. Yeah. And then ha- didn't give it to him. Rocco sued him yeah. and won. Yeah. And essentially, uh, Future owes him money. Like, like $10 million. A like time. a lot of money. Yeah. And one of the things, that one of the ways they were going to recoup it is to have like... Rocco gets fifty percent of the royalties off of two future albums, and then yeah. he released two albums within a week of each other yeah. last year.
1: And I like I think those album those it, it, those albums came out at a really busy time for like rap releases. Like the Migo first Migos record to like really explode the culture, which is, is an amazing record, came out shortly before Drake's More Life came out. Like. A few weeks later, mm-hmm. uh, it didn't. It like I think those records. People love "Mask Off," which mm-hmm. is like you know maybe one of his biggest songs of all time. Uh, but I th- I think that both of those records are great records. They didn't really seem to get the attention that I thought they they should, especially yeah. Hendrix, which so, is
0: yeah Hendrix kind of got the shaft, which is the more singing album.
1: And it's like it's I think it's a great record. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about Beast Mode 2. Too. Well, it's, um, the funny thing I think about it, I, I, I kind of feel like both of us feel, is that Beast Mode 2 isn't the most exciting future record.
0: It might not be the most exciting future record, but I still really enjoyed it. And yeah. I felt like a return to form for me about a certain aspect of future that I I was missing. And I feel like, I mean, Hendrix had some of it, but not in the same way, mm-hmm. which is like, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter describe future as like as almost being like a blues artist. Mm. And and I feel that too, you know? it's yeah. like it's like future has a great way of like singing. And this is also the the magic of the way that he's used auto tune. Mm -hmm. This is a great way of like using the effects of his voice, his real voice and auto tune to convey different emotions and different like kinds of pain and longing and regret, or even like, even something that like, even something that should sound celebratory. Yeah. Like on the song racks blue, where he's talking about, you know, like he's, Talking about counting money, but he makes it sound like it's painful. Like you know, (laughs) it makes it sound like he's like the things that I had to do to get this money is like it's I feel it in my soul. Yeah. You know, and I feel like there's there's a lot of that in this album. I mean there's also just some some stuff that is like not really like for instance he has a song called wi-fi lit yeah which um is about being in a plane and uh, like uh in that and wi-fi but i just i just like thinking about it as like he's just commenting on the idea of wi-fi is yeah. being very cool because yeah. i agree with that he's like wi-fi lit yeah. it's just it's just really cool. Yeah. You know? It's also like that
1: feeling of when you're you're in a place and you don't you're like out of data, you know? Like <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, like and someone gives you the password and it's like really fast.
0: <laughs> you know? Wi Fi live. Features in every man.
1: Yeah. I mean I, like I, I honestly I think a big part of it for me why while I do enjoy it, is uh at the same time it's not like gonna be one of my all time favorite future records, is that like I like Zethoven, but I don't really wanna like think that he brings out the best and widest range of Future Mm -hmm. for like for him to do like a whole record with him again you know like Beast Mode of that original run was my least favorite of those mixtapes between 56 Nights and and Monster Mm -hmm. Uh, and like similarly with this it's like I like it and uh, Zaytoven can like um, do really cool things with Future like Used to This uh, which was a a great single. with the Drake song. Yeah. And like, yeah, I like, I enjoy this, but it doesn't, it doesn't quite have like the range of future that I I would like ideally get.
0: I think it's true. I saw someone on Twitter say that Zaytoven has been sending the same beat pack out for seven years. (laughs) (laughs) And I I love Zaytoven, but that is an absolute fact. (laughs) You know, if you listen to the production on this album, it doesn't sound dissimilar from like nine other Zaytoven tracks you heard two years ago. For sure. Um, but I still I still like this as a stopgap between albums for Future. And I think it's like I think it's just promising to hear Future going back into his bluesman mode and just really digging into the emotions, which has like always been my favorite part of him. Like I think Future's really great at making making your turn up record, making a party song. Yeah, you fuck up like your commas. Fuck up your commas, you know, Trap Niggas, you know, mask off. Like Future has Future's an incredible songwriter, you know, mm. and like he's got a great voice, he's got great flows. But I've always, the thing I've always really liked about him, and I think it's like stems from Pluto and even some of the the, the earlier mixtapes. But like, it's just his ability to really, really like sing and express pain and just, you know, mm-hmm. and like a searching for something that is never going to be quenched. Like that's that's what I love Future for, and I feel like this album has or this mixtape has a lot of those qualities in it. Yeah, for sure. All right, now it's time for us to recommend four songs for you. So we're gonna name. One song that we really like from each of the artists we discussed today, plus a wild card. And these will all be included on our Spotify and soon to be debuting Apple Music playlist. <laughs> um, so I will start. And for me, the ASAP Rocky song that I really love is called Buckshots. And I think it's a uh, for me, this is like that song. This song is like this is what the new New York sounded like in my fantasy of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is what new Harlem sounds like. Um, so I, I think he really captures the mood of something that we don't really get a lot of, uh, which is this kind of, like, new-sounding take on an old, an old thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Tiana Taylor song is a song I mentioned earlier. It's a Rose in Harlem. Um, just really, really excellent songwriting. It's got some funny moments. It's got some heart to it. And I think it just shows what Tiana can do in terms of just writing. Um, my future song is Rax Blue. Like, mm. you've never heard somebody sound so hurt counting cash, <laughs> counting blue hundreds. <laughs> he's going through something. He's gotta talk to his accountant. Maybe that's what <laughs> it, he's stressed. He's like, this is a lot of money. What am I gonna do? Um, and my wild card song this week is uh, by an artist you've heard us talk about before many times. It's Morphine by Princess Nokia. She just released a video for this song, which is a, a must-watch. It's a really fun video. You want to talk about representation in hip-hop, like Princess Nokia is doing it, and she's expanding the universe of hip-hop, not just sonically with the, with the music, but also visually and in the terms of the, pe- the people that she is including under the hip-hop umbrella. So cool. that's that.
1: Nice. Uh, my three songs are uh, Fuck Sleep, asap rocky featuring fka twigs um you know i kind of talked about it earlier but it's just like my favorite uh mode of asap rocky which is like find yourself in a really fancy apartment um a little higher than you wanted to be at four in the morning and like that song comes on and you're like i'm living my best life um that may or may not be based on a true story in my life, anyway. And my Tiana Taylor record is Gonna Love Me, uh, which just sounds like perfect vintage Kanye. And, uh, you know, kind of talked about it earlier, but it just has that really, like, great sunny feeling to it. Um, My record from the Fuch uh, mixtape from Beast Mode 2 is Hate the Real Me. Which uh, is kind of like could be the thesis of uh, futures uh, PhD if he was writing doing it on himself because um, that's like so much of his music is like about that, but it's also like a, just a, a really nice summation. And my wild card is by um, Brock Hampton. Um, Ooh! Yeah, did you hear this? Yes, I have. Uh, yeah, it. Uh,
0: 1999 wildfire. Exactly. It's.
1: It just sounds to me like Brock Hampton is making a song for 106 and Park. Uh, and it, it, I, I, it inspired me to start working on a, a mix of music that I think could be on 106 and Park if, uh, if we went back in time and from music from now that could be on that. So I'm going to release that soon. Hopefully by the next uh, episode we record.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for listening to another episode of Catch Up. Once again, we want to thank all of our supporters and listeners oh and all God. the people who texted us. Uh, and DM'd us and Instagram, and, Insta- and all the people who have been posting the screenshots on Instagram. I pre- we please, appreciate yes. you. Please keep it up. Yeah, uh, keep doing it. Which is a good way of spreading word about the podcast because you know we're getting, we we have a lot of passionate listeners. We're growing. We want to continue to grow. Yeah, um, and it's helping us out big time. So please keep that up. Yeah, we wanted to mention that, uh, Boosie Fade Twenty Six. Is uh, at Parts and Labor on July 27th, which is in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So if you're from the city or you're going to be in the city, come see us because oh, yeah, if
1: you're near the city and can make it to the city,
0: yeah, come to town. Yeah, you know, you won't regret it. Um, no one I've has ever regretted going to a boozy fade. That's true. I mean, yeah. I've never, and if they have, they haven't told me. Yeah. So, uh, which is exactly the same thing, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, so, pretty much. Uh, and also. We uh, if you're in Toronto, if you live in the city, we're probably we're gonna be doing some stuff for Manifesto, yeah. which is a big hip hop festival that happens every summer mm-hmm. in August. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, we will be back next week. Yes. And well, should we tell them what we're gonna be discussing? next I week? don't think so. Okay. Let's well, we're not gonna surprise. tell you. It's gonna be a very pleasant surprise, I would say. Yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in once again, and we will talk to you soon. Stay safe. Be well.